This morning we're going to be in Psalm 72. We're going to look at this righteous king. The righteous king. Over the past few weeks, we've been preaching through the royal psalms. From from Psalm 2 and Psalm 45, we've seen God establishing his king on an eternal throne, fulfilling his promise to King David in 2 Samuel 7, where he told David that from your offspring there would be a, a king that would reign forever. So that's what we've been seeing over the past few weeks. As a reminder, so that we can wrap our heads around the Psalms, it's a huge book, right? 150 of them comprise the book of Psalms. This was a hymn book for God's people. The Israelites used them in public worship and private worship. The early disciples, along with Jesus, knew the Psalms, and they sang them. The church has been singing the Psalms since its beginning. This is a hymn book. Within the Psalms, we find all the different emotions that we feel in this book. They're there. The Psalms are a microcosm. So a, 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 little, a little world, a, a little message of the whole Old Testament. This is what Martin Luther called them. It's a little Bible and the summary of the Old Testament. Within the Psalms, we see theology, right? So what we believe about God connected to our real life. Right? A lot of times when we come to the Bible, we're like, well, I don't know how to apply this. I don't know how this makes sense to my life. The Psalms make sense to our lives. If we're angry, we see anger here. If we're sad, we see sadness expressed to God. Right? That's what we're seeing in the Psalms. Throughout the Psalms, we see key themes, key messages that are found throughout the rest of the Bible. We see God's creation account. We see the sinful nature of man. We see the promise of a Messiah, one to come. We see God's covenant with his people. We see God's promise of a king. Right? That's why we're looking at the Psalms this summer, the royal Psalms. We want to see God's king. We also see an emphasis on God's law throughout this book. As we look at Psalm 72 today, this is a song of prayer over the king. This would have been a prayer prayed over him at his ordination. This, as, as we begin, you're going to see it's of Solomon. It's of Solomon. Context matters when we come to the word, right? Like We never want to just rip a passage out of the Bible without understanding its context. So here, what we see, it's of Solomon. So we know that it's of this kingdom of Israel that is expanding. From David to Solomon, Israel now is, is continuing to expand. It's continuing to have blessings from God. But we also know that during this time, Israel is longing for a king that would fulfill 2 Samuel 7. This forever king on a forever throne. And just maybe, just maybe Solomon is that king. 
But as we know, right, as we know, Solomon failed. He had a great reign, and then he turned. He turned from God and went after worldly things. And so did all the other kings of Israel. All the other kings of Israel. As resurrection people, as followers of Jesus, we also read the Psalms in the context of the resurrection. We read the Psalms in the context of Easter, right? Jesus is alive and well. He, he died a death on a cross. He was in the tomb for three days, but he was raised on the third day. We read the Old Testament and we read the Psalms through that lens. Jesus told his disciples in Luke 24 that the Psalms were about him. Tim Keller calls it the songs of Jesus. That's what the Psalms are. They're the songs of Jesus. And as we've seen the last two weeks, in Psalm 2 and Psalm 45, the only person that's ever lived that can fully fulfill these passages is King Jesus. He alone can fulfill them. So let's read Psalm 72, and then I'm going to pray for us. Listen to what Psalm 72 says. It's a prayer, remember this. Give the king your justice, O God, and your righteousness to the royal son. May he judge your people with righteousness and your poor with justice. Let the mountains bear prosperity for the people and the hills in righteousness. May he defend the cause of the poor of the people and give deliverance to the children of the needy and crush the oppressor. May they fear you while the sun endures and as long as the moon throughout all generations. May he be like rain that falls on the mown grass, like showers that water the earth. In his days may the righteous flourish and peace abound till the moon be no more. May he have dominion from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. May desert tribes bow down before him and his enemies lick the dust. May the kings of Tarshish and of the coastlands render him tribute. May the kings of Sheba and Seba bring gifts. May all kings fall down before him. All nations serve him. For he delivers the needy when he calls. The poor and in, in him who has no helper. He has pity on the weak and the needy. And saves the lives of the needy. From oppression and violence he redeems their life. And precious is their blood in his sight. Long may he live. May gold of Sheba be given to him. May prayer be made for him continually and blessings invoked for him all the day. May there be, may there, may there be abundance of grain in the land. On the tops of the mountains may it wave. May its fruit be like Lebanon and may people blossom in the cities like the grass of the field. May his name endure forever. His fame continue as long as the sun, may people be blessed in him. All nations call him blessed. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who alone does wondrous things. Blessed be his glorious name forever. May the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen and amen. The prayers of David, the son of Jesse, are ended. Let's pray. Our Father, we, we long for your kingdom to come. We long for the full reign of Jesus to come about on this earth. 
But Lord, as, as we see here and as we see through the rest of the Bible, when Jesus returns, all things will be made new. There will be no more sickness, no more mourning, no more sin. Oh God, we await that day. Father, we long for Jesus to come. We long for him to reign fully. God, we pray this morning, would you use this psalm to encourage us? Would would this passage lead us to worship King Jesus? Father, may your spirit indwell us and enlighten our eyes and our hearts that we may understand. Pray these in Christ's name. Amen. So the big idea this morning, what I want us to see is that the righteous king blesses his people and is worthy of worship. He blesses his people and he is worthy of worship. As we read this psalm, it will be clear that some of the prayer is fulfilled in the reign of Solomon. If you know know your Old Testament, if you know about the reign of Solomon, you're going to see oh, this was, this was done, there was blessings in the land. There was fruitfulness in the land. There was abundance in the land. As well, as we, we also know that this was, some of these blessings were seen throughout Israel's history and other kings. But it's also clear that these prayers were brief in their fulfillment. They were brief. Abundance, exile. Only In the rule and reign of Christ do we see this psalm fulfilled. Even presently, we know, Jesus told us in Matthew 28, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Yet, we're still awaiting his kingdom to come and his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus tells us to pray that. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's our prayer. So as Jesus comes to earth, right, as he came to earth over 2,000 years, almost 2,000 years ago, we can see glimpses of what the true kingdom will look like. So as we go through this psalm, let's keep our eyes, let's keep our eyes on the righteous king who blesses his people and is worthy of worship. So from the very first verse, we see the king is blessed by God. The king, this psalmist is praying for the king. Give the king your justice, O God, and your righteousness to the royal son. It's a prayer on behalf of the king. He's pleading with God. God, give the king your justice and your righteousness. You're the only one who can. It doesn't come from from us. Naturally, we are not just and righteous. So God, you have to do this. Give it to the king. Give it to your royal son. We want him to, have, we want him to rule justly. This means that he's going to rule rightly, not as the world, but led by God. Worldly rulers, as we know, we see this. We see this in our country. We see this throughout the world. We see this throughout the history of the world. Worldly rulers rule with injustice and oppression. We see that. We see it across our world right now. There's injustice and oppression. God, give your king your justice 
Give your king your righteousness. May he reflect the very character of God. May he rule without sin. May he rule rightly in all his ways. This is the prayer. This is the prayer that this psalm begins with. And then it also says, to your royal son. To your royal son. So, we understand this, like, right? So, if, if a king has a son, he is a royal son. Right? So that's what he's praying for. But we also see it also through the lens of Christ. The royal son would come. The royal son is now reigning and ruling. Right? So, to the king, to the royal son, the king is blessed by God. This prayer to begin this psalm is for God to bless the king with justice and righteousness. And through that blessing, as God blesses this king, the king blesses his people. And that's what we're going to see. You're, you're probably not going to be able to read this next slide, but I just wanted to show you the abundance of the blessings found in this psalm. I just wanted you to see it on one slide, just so you can see one after the other, this is how the king is blessing his people. We see it in verses 2 through 7, verses 12 to 14, and verse 16. In verse 2, it says, The king judges with righteousness. May he judge your people with righteousness. Again, he can only judge with righteousness because it's been granted by God to this king. Give him your righteousness, O God. He, he also judges the poor with justice. He judges the poor with justice. He shows justice to the poor. He cares. This king, he cares for the most vulnerable in society. The poor, as we know, are, are often overlooked and mistreated. The reason they are is because they have nothing, nothing to give. So there's little gain in helping. But this king is different. This king is not just looking for the rich to meet their needs. He's judging the poor with justice. And we're going to see, I mean, we're going to continue to see this king is looking after the vulnerable in the society, the oppressed, the needy. We're going to see that. Verse 3, the mountains... And the hills bring prosperity under the reign of this king. There's prosperity in the land. It says that, Let the mountains bear prosperity for the people and the hills in righteousness. As this king reigns and rules, the land is prosperous for his people. May he defend the cause of the poor of the people. He defends the cause of the poor. In Luke 4, 18 and 19, Jesus stands up in the synagogue. Okay, so picture this. Jesus stands up in the synagogue, and he reads from the scroll of Isaiah. He reads from Isaiah 61, and this is what he says. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, in recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. 
Jesus then says, this has been fulfilled in your presence. This is what Jesus does. He fulfills the promises of the Old Testament. And as we know, when Jesus came, he defended the cause of the poor. He looked after the poor. He saved the poor. He delivers the needy. Mark 2.17 says, I didn't come for those who are well. I came for those who are sick. I came for those who know their need. Matthew 5, in the, in the Beatitudes, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Jesus, Jesus wants you to see your need. But he also wants us to see those who are needy to come to their defense. Our king defends the cause of the poor. He delivers the needy. And then verse 4 also tells us he crushes the oppressor. Crushes the oppressor. For the majority of the world and throughout the history of the church, Christians have experienced oppression. I think for us today, we feel, we find it difficult because of the country we live in. We live in a country that does have freedoms. And we rejoice in that. We praise God for that. Yet we find it difficult to comprehend when our brothers and sisters across the world suffer for the sake of the gospel. Our King, King Jesus, He crushes the oppressor. He defends the needy. A couple of questions that came to mind. How does the rule of this king give you hope in those circumstances? How does it lead us to pray for those who are oppressed in our country, but also across the world? How can we pray in light of this psalm, O king, crush the oppressor. O king, deliver the needy. I have good news for us who are in Christ Jesus. You see, yes, this king, he crushes the oppressor that are oppressing these people in his nation. But King Jesus has crushed the ultimate oppressor. He has crushed the seed of the serpent. He has crushed Satan through the cross. In Genesis 3.15, God tells Eve, from your line, from your seed will come a snake crusher. And Jesus has done that. Jesus has crushed the oppressor. We see also in Jesus, when he comes, we see this in the Gospels, he casts out demons. He overturns the misuse of power in the city that he's in. He breaks economical and racial barriers that oppress. This is what he did. He was a victorious king. He crushes the oppressor. Yesterday at Love Life, as we were praying in front of that abortion clinic, that was one of our prayers. Oh God, crush this system of injustice. Oh God, would you rain down fire from heaven to destroy this place where death happens daily. Right? That's our prayer. And it's okay to pray those things. It's okay. It's a place of pure evil. It's demonic. 
We want to pray, oh God, would you do this work in the name of Jesus? In verse 6, we also see, may he be like rain that falls on the mown grass, like showers that water the earth. King Jesus, this king refreshes his people. He refreshes us. Y'all know, y'all can relate to this, right? We had been like seven to ten days without any rain, and then on Wednesday, the sky just opened up and it poured. And, and you can just smell it in the air. You walk outside, you just get that fresh smell. Or maybe the toxins from the air, from the air is what we're smelling. I don't know. But you, you know what I'm talking about. It's just, it's refreshing, right? The, the, the flowers start blooming, the grass starts sprouting, the tomatoes start turning red. Like, the rain is good. We understand this. Well, we were up here, and I was sitting, or I, I think I was walking around the building, and our Summerlink ladies, when it started raining, oh yeah, I got y'all. When it started raining, they immediately ran outside and started dancing in the rain, right? It's refreshing. We understand this. This is what Jesus does. He refreshes his people. Are you refreshed by Jesus this morning? Or are you in a dry and weary land where you need to call out to God? Oh God, would you refresh me with a renewed vision, with a renewed life in Christ Jesus? We want to find joy in Jesus. We want to be refreshed in Him. Jesus alone satisfies. He alone refreshes. He says, hey, I provide bread and water so that you may never hunger or thirst again. This is what I provide. Also in the reign of this king, he blesses his people. And in his blessing, the righteous flourish, is what verse 7 says, and peace abounds. The righteous flourish and peace abounds. We know right now that is not happening, right? Peace is not abounding. The righteous are not flourishing but one day they will, and that's the day we await when King Jesus comes and ushers in his kingdom. He delivers the needy in verse 12. When they call, he delivers the needy. He shows pity to the weak and the needy. He saves the lives of the needy. If you're weighed down this morning, I want you to be reminded of Jesus' words in Matthew 11. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Come and lay it down at my feet. That's what he wants us to do. He brings deliverance. He saves. He redeems, in verse 14. From oppression and violence, he redeems their life. Jesus redeems. Jesus came to redeem. Galatians 4 or 5 says that he came to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption as sons. There's redemption in Jesus. If you're oppressed this morning, from oppression and violence, He redeems. Verse 14 also says, He sees people as precious. And precious is their blood in His sight. We know this to be the, be the truth if we're followers of Jesus. Jesus, King Jesus, looks at us and we are precious in his sight. 
people have worth and value. I, I just want, I, I want to encourage you this morning. You are precious. You're precious in the sight of the king. And, and this isn't just for us in here, but it is, it is across all the earth. From, from the little bitty baby that's just been conceived in the womb to the one on their deathbed, they are precious in Jesus' sight. Your life has worth, your life has dignity, you have value to King Jesus. And he longs for you to come and worship him. Verse 16 and 17 as well. There's abundance in the land. This is how he blesses. There's abundance in the land with food, with people. And then also, verse 17 says that the people are blessed in him. So King Jesus, he blesses his people. And in that blessing, how do we now live? How do we live as kingdom people? Because that's who you are if you're a follower of Jesus. You're a son or daughter of the king, and now you are kingdom people. In the fall, we're going to look at Ephesians 4 through 6, and Ephesians 4 through 6 really is going to lay out how we now live, how we live as kingdom people. But one of the questions I have is, as kingdom people, we should look like the king. So as kingdom people, we should be about his business. What breaks Jesus' heart should break our heart. We know that Jesus, when he was on earth, he went after the most vulnerable. He went after the needy, the poor. So who are the most vulnerable in your community, in this community, in your life? We've already celebrated what we were able to do this past week with Love Life. We went and partnered to intercede for the most vulnerable in our city. Those who have no voice in the womb. My challenge to all of us here is this. As God gives you passions and desires to see the needy, the vulnerable, the oppressed served, Let's do that as a church. Let's, let's talk about that. And let's see how we can meet those needs. We want to be a church that, yes, uh, yes, we want to declare the gospel. right? We want to tell people about King Jesus. But we also want to be the hands and feet of Jesus to meet practical needs in this community. We are kingdom people who are desiring to usher in this kingdom through declaring the gospel, and through displaying the gospel. The king is blessed by God. He has blessed his people. And now, his people worship him. They exalt him. The king is exalted. In verses 8 through 11, verse 15 and verse 17, you're going to see this. First of all, in verse 8, May he have dominion from sea to sea, and from the river to the ends of the earth. This king has dominion across the whole earth. The promise to Abraham, the promise to David has been accomplished in this king. From sea to sea to the ends of the earth, it has been accomplished in King Jesus. 
All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. He sits now at the right hand of the Father, reigning and ruling over the whole earth, over the whole cosmos. He is a cosmic king. Verse 9 says that may desert tribes bow down before him. May his enemies lick the dust. Tribes bow down before him. The enemy licks the dust from him. This shows defeat, submission of the enemy. He is victorious. They are submitted to his reign and rule. Verse 10, as we continue, the nations render him tribute. They see him and they worship. The kings bring gifts. The kings bow down before him. The nations serve him. This is our king. This language is worship. Bowing down, serving, bringing gifts, rendering tribute. This idea of the nations serving God, serving this king, is a key theme in the Psalter. The nations worshiping the Lord. If you were to read through the, the Psalms today, you would see this one after the other. The nations worshiping. And we see this only accomplished in Jesus. The nations, yes, they came and they bowed down and brought gifts to Solomon and David and the other kings of Israel. But they also took these kings captive and they put the people in exile. You see, this was not fulfilled in the kings of Israel. But it has been fulfilled at the name of Jesus. Every nation, every tongue, every tribe, every people will bow down before King Jesus. At the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. As we continue in verse 15, there's a prayer that He would live long, that He would have riches, that, he, that, that the people would continue in prayer for Him, continual blessings for Him. Verse 17 says that his name would endure forever. There's only one king whose name will endure forever, and that's King Jesus. There's only one king whose fame will continue forever, and that's King Jesus. There's only one king that the nations call him blessed, and that's King Jesus. At the end of verse 17 That little phrase, all nations call him blessed. This is a direct fulfillment of Genesis 12, 2 through 3. Direct fulfillment. This is what God tells Abraham. I'm going to make you a people. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed and they will call you blessed. This is fulfilled in King Jesus. Psalm 72 was a prayer. It was a prayer over over the kings of Israel. And Israel longed for this to be fulfilled in Solomon, to be fulfilled in the rest of the kings, yet they all failed. But what we see in Psalm 72, we see this psalm fulfilled in the King of kings and the Lord of lords. The king is exalted by 
his people. And this king's name is Jesus. It is the only name people should bow down to. It's a wonderful name. So my question for us is have we, have you bowed your knee to King Jesus? Have you bowed your knee to King Jesus? He satisfies, he refreshes, he delivers the needy. You see, at the cross, Christ took our sin, our shame, our death, so that now we don't have to be shamed. We don't have to die that death. The wrath of God was extinguished at the cross. It was put out. And to show that he accomplished this and to show that he was victorious over this, he was raised three days later as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. The call today is just simple. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. Oh, may we turn from our sin and turn to Jesus, who alone satisfies and refreshes. So as we, as we draw to a close today, I want us to rejoice with the psalmist as he closes out Psalm 72, but also as he closes out this second book of the Psalms. See, there's five books in the Psalms, and now he's closing out this second book in praise. This is what he says. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who alone does wondrous things. Blessed be his glorious name forever. May the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen and amen. The prayers of David, the son of Jesse, are ended. Jesus reigns over all the earth. His dominion goes from sea to sea. God's glory fills the whole earth. God has set his royal son on his holy hill. And as followers of Jesus, as those who have bowed the knee to Jesus, we are a blessed people. We are a blessed people. And just as the king who is blessed by God blesses his people in being blessed, we are to be a blessing to all people. How can we do that? Oh, we need to tell them about Jesus. We need to tell people in our neighborhoods, our friends, our family, this community, we need to tell them about Jesus. And as the king works through his people, we will see this gospel message advanced from right here in Charlotte to the ends of the earth. That final, that final phrase there is our prayer. Oh, that we would see the glory of God fill the earth and his name be exalted forever. Let's pray. Our Father, that is our prayer. We want your glory to fill the earth. We want your name to be exalted by all nations. We plead with you, O oh God, to do this work. We plead with you that your kingdom would come on earth as it is in heaven. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.